Oh, no. you fuck off asking me about rematch. Are you fucking taking the piss? I'm not. No. That's an, it's just. No. Yeah, absolutely taking no. the piss. Cam Smith's just fought and defended. You're talking about a rematch. No, but well, speak to John Ryder. Yeah, yeah, I know, but go and, speak to, saying, well, go and speak to John Ryder's team. We fought now, I'm mandatory. We've yeah. got to move on, and we're after reunification fights and big fights. So, like I said to Eddie, They'll only get a rematch if Eddie goes and lobbies it at the board and uh, for the commissions of the governing bodies, sanctioning bodies. He won't be. And he said it won't be. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's it. It's just like okay. Well, it's not so much disappointing because he, he fought unbelievable. You know, he done what no one thought he could do. And you know, and, uh, in my opinion, I thought that John won the fight. A lot of people thought John won the fight, but not only that, his performance was. Um, you know, it was a great performance, and uh, you know, and uh, I, I'm just disillusioned for John, really. So you know, the last few, the last few weeks, the last couple of months, you know, like in our gym, you know, I think the decisions have been disgraceful. I really do. You know, we've had tight fights, really tight fights, and I'm, I'm, my fighters are just losing them widely. You know, like Ted, Ted Chisholm against Kieran Conway. I didn't win comfortably, and he, and he lost, and he drilled on that ridiculous side, and beat Fitzgerald 10. You know, I've had John, it's just like really disillusioning as a coach as well. You know, I, I'm getting sick of it, to be honest, boxing. Was John Ryder robbed against Callum Smith? Mm, it's a tough one. So I only saw the second half of the fight. Just on a point of principle, I'm not a Callum Smith fan. So I'm not going to waste half an hour of my life trying to catch up on what I missed out on. Apologies for that. But from what I saw of the second half of the fight, I gave Callum Smith two rounds. And... That was just based on John Ryder probably needing to just recharge after basically, you know, roughing Smith up, you know, hurting him. Well, not hurting him in a wobbling leg sort of way, but definitely saying, look, welcome to hell, my friend. And this is what you need to do to prove you're a world champion. But the surprising thing actually was that Smith wasn't doing much damage to Ryder. And people make a big deal about the height and so forth. But you're a professional boxer. You've had a camp long enough to figure that out. If you hadn't figured it out by fight night, then wow, you know, that's that's slightly worrying. But in terms of the battle of the coaches, big tick in the box of Tony Sims. Exactly the right tactics for a Callum Smith fight. Just go in, do not let him extend his long arms, and then hooks and uppercuts, make it really uncomfortable for him, and be consistent with that. And that was really good. But I gave him four. So for me, that, that meant, you know, you've got 4-2, and then it's, people are telling me that Smith won most of the first six rounds. Okay, so then 7-5, then 6-6, seven, 7-5 six, six, is kind of where you are, you're at in the ballpark, right? So I thought John Ryder won. I thought the scorecards were an absolute disgrace. Had it been a draw, no one would have quibbled. Had it been Smith 115-113 or 115-114, no one would have quibbled. But it's almost as if these judges 
had written the scores in advance. And I'm not going to say too much about kicking the judges in the face because I'm not a judge and I don't see myself as qualified to do so. As a fan, those scorecards just didn't feel right. They didn't feel like they reflected the fight that I saw, but then I only saw half of it, so I understand that. But in a deeper sense, it goes back to the thing, we still don't know how good Cam Smith really is. How good's John Ryder? John Ryder, British level? Comfortably. Could he box for a European title? Comfortably. Could he box for a world title? Yeah. But I'd expect Canelo to stop him. And that says it all. But then I expect Canelo to stop Smith. So how good is Smith really? And people keep talking about, well, he won the World Boxing Super Series. George Groves had one arm in that fight. Whatever anyone tries to tell you, whatever history says about, oh, no, he was fine. He had a good camp. Did he he didn't. It was an absolute shocker of a camp. And he literally showed up on the start line to collect his money and retire. And I don't blame George for that. Like, you know, once you dislocate your shoulder, to get that full mobility takes a while. But boxing mobility and like standard physio mobility, two different things. The loads you're suddenly putting through that shoulder when you're fighting on fight night, completely different to bagging up groceries at Tesco's. Do you see what I mean? So... He didn't really get the best George Groves, and I think we can all accept that. And you're fighting guys like Hassan Dam, who is a... I mean, he's really a middleweight at best. So that doesn't really tell us anything. And now you fight John Ryder, who I think is good, but John Ryder isn't that elite-level guy. And you're struggling. And you can keep saying you're having these off-nights and whatnot, but there has to come a point where we look at these Smith brothers and go, they're just solid 6.5 out of 10 fighters. You know, Stephen Smith, flat to deceive. Paul Smith, you already know. Liam Smith, just like Frank Warren kept that guy in cotton wool. And then look what happened when he couldn't protect him anymore, man. Liam Smith was just getting obliterated by people. So and I expect Calvin to be no different. His best option right now is to move up. When he's fighting bigger guys with, with far less punch output, I think he'll do better. When he can be more technical, he'll do a lot better. But at 168, these small guys will rip into him. I think morally there's a case for him to, to give Ryder a rematch because he'll always have this hanging over him until he addresses it. Because we all know that wasn't supposed to happen last night. Ryder wasn't meant to look that good last night. And the fact that he did, you've got to start asking questions about have we seen the best of Callum Smith already? Because what he must be close to turning 30 and I can't see him getting any better at 30 he might get cleverer but he's not going to get any better as a physical athlete so have we already seen the best of Callum Smith is it almost too late to be talking about him chasing greatness because we're still here going who are Callum Smith's natural rivals <laughs> I think we're down to Luke Blackledge and Umar Sadiq in terms of like super middleweights who are his rivals because he seems to have missed every possible boat going in terms of building up meaningful rivalries. And that's why he's he's a boat without a port at the moment. And he talks about, yeah, we'll do Anfield next summer. Who's going to let Callum Smith be the A-side? Who could fill Anfield? Canelo? Nah. I don't think De La Hoya really wants to do business with Hearn, if I'm being honest with you. Just from the, the general language, I think those two are competing to be the, the top man at 
to zone. And why would you why would you give Eddie Hearn a helping hand in that? So I don't see that happening. Caleb Plant, why would Caleb Plant do it? No reason to. You know, he can get fights on his side of the fence. David Benavidez, nah. Don't be surprised if this happens. Jacobs fights Gabriel Sardo. They sort out the Chavez situation and Chavez ends up fighting Smith and Anfield. And that's the sort of crap you'll be fed by Eddie Hearn. Or it'll be the reverse. They'll get Chavez to fight in Phoenix and then they'll get Gabriel Sardo to fight Callum Smith at Anfield. It's once again revealing that Hearn's options are really, really narrow. And once he gets past Joshua Ruiz, if Ruiz wins, what do you do? You've got no marquee names anymore. But let's just bring this back to, to Callum Smith's John Ryder. Because I genuinely feel sorry for John Ryder. He's he's built his way back up since the fielding fight. And just from speaking to guys on the inside in the camp, like they've been ready for a long time and they've been saying John's been looking good. I've seen the sparring John's had. He's had the right kind of sparring. So if nothing else, you know, he prepared better for Smith than Smith prepared for him, which is a big tick in the in the Sims camp. But I can understand Tony's frustration with that sort of result because it was the same thing with Cheeseman. Although I think we need to we need to look at these two fights and then you know be critical of the discussions that followed. So if you look at the Cheeseman fight, the justification for Ted winning was he kept him on the end of the jab, he boxed his head off, he moved, he did this, he did that. And the justification for Fitzgerald winning was. Look, Fitzgerald made it rough in there, put the beating on Ted, this, that, and the third. Now, the roles were reversed in this case, and still, it's an injustice. And, and I'm not saying anyone's right or anyone's wrong, but I'm saying this is what makes boxing incredibly complicated. When you back your guy, everything your man does is brilliant. When he boxes on the front foot, it's brilliant. When he boxes on the back foot, it's brilliant. But it means that you're never consistent in the things you're rating and rewarding. You're just rating and rewarding your guy for being good. Fine. But then you can't be mad when someone else goes, nah, I want to try and be a bit more objective and consistent here. And I guess that's where a lot of the tension comes from. I think in the minds of others, man, the commentary didn't help. I remember there was a time on social media when people were talking up Andy Lee as being this really good commentator. I didn't really see it. I just thought he was a new voice and he was a guy who was trying to be himself. And I think what they've done at Sky is they've smartened him up and they've said, look, you're not here to be yourself. You're here to, to sell the product. You're here to, to do what we need you to do. And now he's fallen into that trap of having a very one-eyed perspective on a fight. Now, it was strange that Andy Lee being a Southpaw Andy Lee, being a guy who was notoriously an underdog, seemed to have no empathy with what John Ryder was doing. Seemed to see nothing that John Ryder was doing. And I don't know why that is, but it was strange that Andy Lee, of all the people who should have been backing the, the small Southpaw, who's coming up against the odds, and he, you know, he wasn't even making a play on that. You're brought in as a colour commentator to give us that exact perspective. And he struggled. Scorecard was abysmal. His insight was abysmal. That doesn't mean that he's a bad person. It just means last night he had an absolute shocker. You know, it had me missing Carl Froch and Jim Watt, to be honest with you. 
And then, you know, you go and talk to the, the Liverpool Mafia, Paul Smith, his brother, Tony Bellew. Who are they going to back? They're always going to back their guy. It wasn't objective. It was terrible. Darren Bark. it was all terrible. And we've almost reached this limit where, because Hearn's been running this, this circus for so long, the guys he was promoting on the channel are now trainers and they're now advisors and now mentors to guys who are on the channel currently. And what does that mean? There's no objectivity at all. There's no one you can get on there who can be objective. I'm like, why not? But, you know, Sky have their product and if it works for them, great. You know, BT Sport or no better. It's, it's just, a, it's, in that way, it's a bad time to be a boxing fan. In terms of the actual fights themselves, great time. Everything around it, this is a terrible time to be a boxing fan. But one of the things just to touch on is someone has to explain what's, what Hearn's obsession with Liverpool is. Because if you look at the card that was there yesterday, I'm trying to think of the guys who fought. Craig Glover fights for a Commonwealth title. Now, I don't care how you try and cut this for me, right? Craig Glover is not Commonwealth title ready. The guy's got three losses and he hasn't even had 15 fights. <laughs> it, it goes to show, it, it, it's all about who you are and where you are in this game. Like, you're, you're not even a top 10 ranked British cruiserweight. You're probably not, I mean, Wadi Kamacha could come out of retirement and beat Craig Glover. Craig Glover fights for a Commonwealth title? In what, in what universe is this fair? And I'll just point to a guy like Dion Juma. Dion Juma's having to graft up the ladder stay undefeated, keep putting hands on people, and Craig Glover just gets opportunities because he's mates with Bellew. He's mates with Bellew, and Hearn has this weird fixation that if he doesn't do shows in Liverpool, he's not relevant anymore. But it was shocking. Like, you know, congratulations to Chris Billum-Smith. Relatively straightforward when it was expected because Glover's not that good. And that's why they pulled him out the fight with Isaac Chamberlain because Chamberlain would have run over that guy. Did they put him out the fight with Chamberlain? Probably did. And that's what I mean. You know, why wouldn't they fight Isaac Chamberlain? Craig Glover is just, it's just another Bellew project. Like Thomas Whitaker Hart, I think, was on the bill as well. That's another Bellew pet project. He sort of disappeared after winning the, the ABAs. And ask yourself, how did he not make it to Team GB? Hmm. Don't know. But it's this whole thing about, I don't understand what the obsession with Liverpool is. Like, it's not a city that's full of great fighting talent, in my opinion. John Conte, world class, I can accept that. Outside of that, you're like, well, who from Liverpool's really doing it? The Smith brothers? It was just a marketing gimmick, wasn't it? Four really average boxers on one show. Fantastic. But, you know, I'm kind of getting bored of this natural obsession with Liverpool, and I wish they'd just move on, you know, they managed to balls up Leeds for Warrington. They didn't manage to build anyone up in Leeds. Didn't really build up many people in Sheffield either. But Liverpool seems to have this hold over her and that I can't really explain. So as long as they keep getting paid from it, fair play to them. But it just leaves me horribly uncomfortable. And you look at that lineup and you go, one day, the card we saw last night from Sky, that'll be a pay-per-view card. So I hope all you boxing fans enjoy that. Now, there's probably not much more to say about that card. I thought Ryder was I thought Ryder was hard done by. 
I thought the scorecards were abysmal. I think the judging in the UK is going backwards, as is the refereeing, as is the promoting, because all it's about now is maintaining the money. That's all it's about now. And what people don't understand is this is a gravy train. Think about this. If you're a judge, if you're an official, if you're a referee, you're getting brought into this circus. You're your accommodation paid for. You're probably given a per diem as well. You looked after. Come for dinner with us. Da, da, da. Let's go to this nightclub and this bar. And look, maybe there's some officials who go to brothels and strip clubs too in the evenings. But by that, by the time you've you've partaken in this largesse, all courtesy of the promoter, you find yourself in a position where you might be up against it. Because ask yourself, what is a middle-aged man doing leaving his family for a week to go and adjudicate on a boxing bout? They must love the jolly and the perks that come with it, right? Now, if you love that, it becomes addictive. So you don't want to be the guy that gets excluded. So you're always going to lean towards the fight of the promoter's backing subconsciously if nothing else and that's what ruins boxing right let me jump out while i've still got my my sensibilities intact and i don't go too far rogue thanks again for listening really appreciate it standard messages tune in not even tune in sorry you know if you're on if you're on SoundCloud, please like the podcast. If you're on iTunes, please review and rate the podcast. And on all other platforms, please like. And also just share. Just get, let's get the visibility up. Um, I'll, I'll keep saying this message: the only way to counteract the the sanitized content from these other providers is for you guys that listen to this to like and share. And not only just do it passively, promote it and go. If you want the truth in the sport, these are the outlets you've got to back. Otherwise, don't complain about IFL and don't complain about Boxing Social. You know, don't complain about their anodyne bullshit content if you're not prepared to back content that challenges the narrative. And I'll give you an example of this. In the post-fight interview that Callum Smith had, I think it's Andy Clark, I think, yeah. He was talking to Eddie Hearn and Eddie Hearn's first statement, and this is what I mean about he can't help himself. He was like, yeah, partway through the fight, my phone was going off with text messages. And Andy Clark just said, who are the text messages from? Yeah, really obvious question, right? <laughs> really obvious question. And on live TV, you could see Hearn was like, how dare you question anything I say? And so Hearn didn't really have an answer, which once again shows the man just makes stuff up on the spot. He'll do anything to sell a situation. It's cringeworthy because it was okay when he was 32, 33. That motherfucker's 40. He's a father. He's a family man. And like, his kids have to go to school and go, yeah, my dad talks bullshit for a living. That's got to have some kind of scarring effect, man. I just, but it's up to him. Do what you want to do. I, I just think after 40, some of the stuff he does, it's just cringeworthy when you've got that gray beard, you've got the salt and pepper in the hair. It's just cringeworthy. But side note, sorry. Twitter at Highfield Boxing, Instagram at Highfield Boxing. Let's just keep this conversation going. And you guys are the frontline soldiers in promoting the truth in boxing. So we rely on you to share the word and share the message. Thank you.